from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Previously on the season two finale of All My Fantasy Children. Aaron, you need to publish the episode before the time portal closes, or we'll be trapped in the past. I can't, Jeff. I don't have access to a keyboard, a computer, a laptop, or even New York City. Oh my god. Oh my god. Alright, I'm gonna try to hack the mainframe. I'm gonna try to... You have no idea what game you have just begun. <gasps> computer Pete. Publish. Publish. Oh god, we got an outro. Aaron, we gotta do the outro. We got no! It's counting down. Good, good, Three, good, 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 good two, night, and, 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 good one. night, and... Now, the season three premiere of All My Fantasy Children. Holy shit. Welcome all to season three of All My Fantasy Children. My name is Aaron Catano Thrills Saez. And my name is uh, Axel Blade Jeff Stormer. Holy shit. Yeah, I know, Welcome all to season three of All My Fantasy Children. This is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast where each week, Jeff and I take a listener prompt and create the greatest story ever told every single effing week. Every single... We have never had an off week. We nope. have never had a week where one of us was sick and we ended up nope. making Pelter. This is, these, have, these have never happened. We, and we have been delivering A-plus work every yep. single week. You could go through our archives. We've never taken two months off. We've never taken a day we off. We show up every single day. Every day. And if you're listening to this, I hope you can feel my muscles flexing as I say every day. Yeah. Aaron is now shirtless and extremely muscular. I have yep. an eye patch and a yep. robot arm. And oh, oh. we've got a, a wacky talking dog sidekick. Isn't that right, Inspector Barks a lot? That's right. Classic Inspector Barks a lot. Season three is going to be, we're taking it in a lot of really exciting new directions, and I'm yeah. really happy that you're here to join us for them. Yeah, welcome all to All My Fantasy Children. We don't make characters anymore. We, every episode, take your listener prompt and spin it into the greatest sitcom slash action movie of all time. And then yep. we review classic hits of the 80s. Oh, it's always, it's all, and they're all just so classic, you know, like we're reviewing yeah. just, we're hitting all of Steven Gutenberg's best films one by one by one. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a great podcast. All right, let's let's start it up. Let's do it. Let's the prompt this week. The start of season three, I'm very glad, is starting with incredibly amazing friend of the show, Taylor Labresh at Leviathan Files. He is host of Games Closet, the master of Riverhouse Games. You should check out his work, because it's dupe. The prompt is an entire sentient forest. Each tree is a new memory. Each scurrying rodent a fleeting emotion, and each traveler strolling under the canopy is a wandering thought passing through a massive collective consciousness. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm into that. Okay. So I've had an idea about this prompt for a very long time, and I I want I would love to share it with you, Jeff. All right. Give me give me your thoughts. Let's hear them. Let's let's start off season three strong. So I I said in the birthday episode that I want to lean into the fact that we have lore and it's okay to deep dive into it. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so something that I've been thinking about with our Five Jeweled Crown history stuff is what were their relationships? And like what a big thing I want to stress is like what happens after the adventure? 
how are how are people in any tabletop or story changed after they go like you know they kill sure, the dragon sure, sure. you get the magic sword how do they change so i was thinking about the nocturne our event where somebody tried to freeze the world blah 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 everybody right, right, knows right. that by now but it was how would the other jewels of the crown be affected by one of them being murdered by arthur what happens after the king's peace has been dealt yeah like that's a big fucking deal like the leader of the moon crescent is killed by the leader of iron hill and so I was thinking, because we, we've said before that um, Lumina Dawnspear, the leader of Dragon, and Nymphaeolacus are very close. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'll get into that in like an audio drama thing that I wrote out. But um, so after Nymphae is dead, after that happens, I figure that's when Lumina is like, I fucking, I can't trust Arthur to not kill everyone. Right. I'm going to take this city and shoot it into the clouds and like hide it from his gaze. Because I think that he can't see it up there with the azure eyes of the overseer. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. And something I thought was she makes Lumina makes a monument to Nymphaea Lacus, which is a a spell that would kind of like because it's in the clouds, right? Yeah. So it kind of I would think it rests on top of one, and that cloud is constantly raining in mourning of Nymphaea Lacus. Like it makes a magical rainstorm. All right, underneath that's pretty cool. It. I like that a lot. I'm into that. And because there's a crater left behind a dragon when it takes off, if that crater is watered. This like volcanic, you know, like dragons lush. It's not like the Badlands, mm-hmm. but it would make like a magical forest in the wake of, you know, the crater and the stuff like this eternal storm. It would yeah. pretty much make like a curtain of rain and intense lightning storms that surround the crater of dragon. So I thought, what if inside of that is this forest? Yeah, that sounds that, that makes perfect sense. That's that seems like exactly where that would go. And just for reference, the spell that she casts, I think, would be called the veil because it just makes like, you know, it's like a morning veil. And sure, it also sure. like covers, it hides dragon, blah, 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 blah. So within this, so there's a beautiful living sentient forest watered by magical water, but it's surrounded by like an eternal deadly lightning storm. Mm-hmm. And inside is a, you know, beautiful place with like, you know, each tree is a nude memory, each scurrying road in a fleeting emotion. So now, character-wise, do you want to do you want to flesh out the forest first? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, let's talk about like what the forest is like, and then we'll kind of like figure things out from there. Like, this might just be us talking about this place for a while. Yeah, and that's totally fine. We can get to like whoever you know went inside the pierced the veil the first time or whatever. But let's let's talk forest. Talk about it. Like this is a cool thing, and I kind and like I'm fine taking the time to just talk about this cool thing that we're adding. Let's do it. So the thing that jumps out to me is that, like, there's a part to the prompt that I think is really interesting and I kind of want to, like, play with. Okay. And that is the idea that, like, it does not say it is a magical forest, but it does not say that the forest itself, like, contains a magical creature or presence. It says that the forest itself is those memories. And I kind of like that idea that, like, the thing that I'm thinking about is, like, what if none of that forest was like what if none of that that forest or none of the rather none of the things in that forest extended beyond like could it could extend beyond past the barrier of the veil oh yeah it's like completely contained i was thinking but like think of like what i'm saying is this if you were a lumberjack and you were in the veil and you chopped down a tree not only do you have to get through this magical lightning storm to get to the veil but when you leave the veil, that tree that you chop down, that lumber that you're carrying, 
It's ash. It just crumbles into <gasps> oh. ash, and like it just does not leave that forest because okay, the memories are within. The memories are within the forest. When you take a memory out, it simply fades. Oh, that's real. And that's Fucking true. Of, good. And that's true of the plants. It's true of the animals. It is true. There are people that live in this forest that are just go like they're ghosts or forgotten memories or just people like they do not leave the forest because the second they want they leave that thunderstorm they just poof into smoke and fade away question for you yes what then are those people like made out of are they a product of like the magical rain because i think so this sounds like this sounds like some kind of fairy fey nature people yeah kind of they're you know what I'm of, saying? They're like made nymphs. of the rain, and they're made of the emotion of, like, the sorrow of what has happened to Nymphaea Lachis, and the, uh, the feet, like, the, the, the emotion and the magic that is in the air, coupled with this magical rain, coupled with this magical lightning storm, coupled with, like, memory. I think they are remnants of the lives that were in this place that are now in the sky above because of an unbelievable burst forth of magic. Okay, that is a lot, and I love it. So is it is it dangerous? Is the, the Forest of the Veil, what do you want to call it? I think the Forest of the Veil is great. Okay, so the Forest of the Veil, is it dangerous? Is it welcoming? Or is it this like a treacherous place? It can be. We don't have a lot of those. I think I, I'm going to hit you. I'm, it's oh. the first time of season three. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Yeah, Are you ready. excited? Yes. It can be both. Okay. So first, I want to ask you, like, so you said these people, are they people or are they just like fragments of memory? I think they are people. I think they are like, because the the the, the prompt says that there are trash. So what I think it is, is that there's a, they're a little bit in the middle. Okay. They're people. They're people. They have consciousness. They have identity. They have memories. But like, m- like a dream, their memory starts in motion. So it's like, well, I was coming into the four, and and so like maybe the really haunting part, if I can make this a little creepier, yes, please, is that like these have no connection to like people who were living in Dragon. Mm. There is a a person walking through the woods with a backpack and a compass that was like, I was walking along a river path, and then I found myself in the forest. My boat crashed on some rocks about a mile up, and now I'm just trying to find a cave to spend the night. And that traveler will eventually pass through the veil and will eventually just cease to be. And there are just people and animals that, like, have lives, but their lives start in the middle of a sentence and end in the middle of another sentence because their lives only exist while they are within the bounds of this forest. God, so they're like trapped or lost souls? Is this like some, because it, it sounds like some kind of purgatory, which I'm not against, but it does sound like they're lost souls trapped. I'm picturing, they. I'm picturing like an element of trapped lost souls, but like created lost souls i don't think these are people i don't think these were these i don't think these souls existed before like the the veil created them so my question for you is yes are these like people people like humans dragons dwarves or are these like tree people you know daffodil people are they simply like were they willed from this magic rain into existence and cannot leave the veil that's what I'm pick. That's what I'm picturing. So, like, if this magic water hit a sunflower seed, 
it would make like a sunflower man. You know, not necessarily, but you know what I mean? Like this sort of lost soul spirit trapped in the veil thing is they are beings made of, they're sort of like elementals, but like, is that what you're thinking? Uh, we can go that route. I was just picturing it as like humans, dwarves, dragons, that sort of thing. Either one is fine by me, though. They're trapped, but I I, I want to go down this road. I want to figure out who, like, because it's spooky. What you described yeah. is pretty scary, that there are, like, people that are, like, kind of damned and trapped in, in the veil, and they can't leave. Because what I'm picturing is this. Imagine New York City just isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that magical moment when it lifts, when, like, the city takes off to the sky. Yeah. Even though those people proceeded to, like, continue to live, like, their lives are fairly uninterrupted moving into the sky. All of that, imagine that the magical energy it took to, to create the veil and to create this, like, ev- this magical rainstorm. Imagine the magical force required to, like, propel it into the sky was every life force, every bit of memory, every bit of, like, existence from the people in that city. I dig it. So what has happened, so then what happens is that all of those memories get shuffled around and, like, put into essentially a melting pot and then shot to the earth below in a magical rainstorm. So, like, so, like, a pool of water, so essentially if you're picturing, like, a pool of water. Yes. It swirls around and out pop, and from that pool of water, when it hits the ground, out pops a dwarf. Out pops a dwarf coming out from underground to be like, yeah, I, I needed to find someone to fix my watch because there's a memory that was that someone had to go fix their watch fixed on the day oh. the dragon lifted to the sky. But like, but somebody else is writing a love letter to their dwarven partner like miles away. And so like that dwarven identity mixes with the watch and it just forms this person, this like fleeting glimpse of a person. Mm. I'm and then they're, 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 they awake, they wake up and then fade away in an instant. And so like what makes it so creepy and so treacherous, but also so welcoming is you can walk through that forest and find someone, become friends. They, the two of you could go on a journey together. You leave the veil. The two of you leave the veil together. They have a life and memories and you swap stories and you grow together. You leave that veil and suddenly they just like fade away. I think that's really poignant, too, to the reason why the veil is there mm-hmm. as sort of like this monument to someone that was that changed the world and someone who you can't bring back and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it is sort of like a it's a lesson to anyone who enters where it's like everything you have in here, every experience you have can only be in here and you can't have it again. Yeah, you can't t- you can't take it with you. You know, yeah, all you have, all you will have from that forevermore are memories. Wow. Okay, so this is, I gotta say, it's spooky. This is, this sounds treacherous, but also, like, you can have a life lesson. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so say someone had a memory of, with malice involved. Yeah. Does that make a bad thing happen? Because I think it could. And uh, the more we talk about it, the more into the idea that, like, some of these people are, like, daffodil people, or, like, have rocky, like, rocky skin. And, like, some people just are not quite... Like, they don't quite, they just look magically different in the way that, like, Fae are often painted as being, like, yes. just different somehow. 
because I'm trying to meld the two ideas of like the the essentially like the daffodil person and like these memories. I think that's where they're not like shapeless ghosts. They inhabit the nature itself. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea of like the fae or fairy or nature people, you know, we can use the word fae, I guess. You want to? That's fine by me. It's fine. Where like these memories of these people who had, you know, something, you know, you said the, the people starting a life in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Like that inhabits a rock and watered by the magic waters of the veil, it can, you know, gain sentience. And like every, like it says, every rodent is a fleeting emotion. Like there's a rat person. Like, you know, there's, mm-hmm. or is it that kind of thing or just plants and rocks and shit? I think it's, I think, yeah, I think it's absolutely like the animal. And I think that what I kind what I'm kind of picturing is that like everything is alive to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in the way that like, obviously everything like, you know, yes, biology yeah, yeah. being this, but like those memories, I think it's like. There are things where, like, you might pass over a rock and it might just, like, call out to you, like, Susan! Ooh. And then, like, but then you pass by a woman who is more, like, steamy mist than person. Mm. Who, like, is just sitting on, who is just kind of, like, sitting near a humid spring and, like, tells you a story about, like, her just terrible day so far. Like, she's had the worst day. Like, she lost five dollars. And, like, you have this experience with this misty woman after hearing a rock scream Susan at you. And then you see a perfectly normal-looking dragon who, like, you have a picnic with. But, like, if you were to leave the veil, would disappear. And it's just, like, all of these, like, memories and emotions are just swirling in this place. Mm, Okay. I love this. So, essentially, what we've made is a magical forest that is alive with the memories of the people of dragon who were used as some sort of like they were their magical energy was used as like a conduit to launch this thing into the sky create the veil and hide the city from arthur and like they're still they like they yeah, are they're still the, very much time, alive yeah they're still alive but like there's just their them being there and like the sum total of their consciousness is just like borrowed for a moment yeah and like it lifts them up but it also pushes that energy back down yeah, it's as if they took, if someone, you know, made a city fly and borrowed some of my energy, that right now they'd be, I'd be probably locked in a perpetual podcasting recording. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it, it's just a flash of that moment of what that they moment. were doing and what their life was. And like multiple people's memories might swirl together. Like you're, you being in a podcast recording might mix with somebody sending out a really funny Twitter story, mix with, somebody having the fight of their lives with their partner mixed with like a pizza guy dropping off a pizza and like all of those things just swirl together to create some consciousness which is new and different okay so this is sick it's like this for this it's a sentient forest but in like a very different like not just treants yeah it's trippy i'm really digging how trippy this is yeah it's very very trippy now my question is has anyone ever been, has anyone ever pierced the veil? Has anyone ever gone in? Like we talk mm. about people going in and coming out, but like, I'm thinking it as like, what this is when I was in Victoria, I looked out from like, my brother lives in this place called like St. James or James Bay or something. And I looked at these mountains and they were like covered in terrifying thunder clouds and storm. And I was like, that looks like I shouldn't ever want to go there. And I started thinking about like a place where you just can't go or shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So it would take like a master explorer to get there 
And once they're there, it's super dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, a yeah, right. Zelda, sure. Like when you're in, when you play Zelda, there's places you're not supposed to go yet and they sure. keep you out. So I thought about a place like that in fantasy. And I love that it's turned into this like trippy consciousness forest where like it's not just a rock being like, hello, I have a quest for you. It's like the life story. It's the story of an entire culture that was flown into the sky. Their life was interrupted. And that moment is kind of captured forever in like a yeah. in like a weird photograph city. Yeah. I'm like picture like a colo- like if you pick took every person in Dragon and took their mm-hmm. picture at that moment. Yeah. And then just like shuffled all of these thousands of pictures into a completely random order. Mm-hmm. Laid them all outside, like laid them all out in a grid and then zoomed out into a collage in it and then zoomed out like super far in an instant. That's the forest. It's that collage, and it and it forms these new shapes and patterns and textures. But each one, if you zoom in close enough, is a picture of a moment. Are people in fantasy afraid of the veil? Because it sounds pretty. It sounds like a well. I mean, if you've never gone in, you would just see a perpetual lightning storm in a circle around what used to be dragon, and you don't see dragon anymore. You know what I mean? Is it scary? Is it somewhere like adventurers are like, I one day I hope to be a great enough captain to like sail my ship into like the coast of the Vale. I, I, I love that. And I love the idea that like, here's, here's my pitch. 90, 90 to 99% of people in fantasy don't know what is in the Vale mm-hmm. because you see this endless rainstorm and these like thunder clouds. And most people that like even get near them and get near the clouds probably don't come back. And I have a pitch for that as well. Oh, hell yeah. You know, so a lot of people are just like, whatever's in the veil has to be powerful and has to be terrifying. Yes. Yeah. It's because I was thinking about like, I kept thinking if I were like early man looking out in Victoria, I would be like, shouldn't go there. Something bad bad is there. Yeah, that's just bad. And it's not. But it's also like, you know, it's a it's a lightning storm for a reason. I think that was made to like keep people out. But like, why? Is there anything in there that is important and valuable, or is it just a standing monument to Lumina Donspear's feelings? You know, or is it, it's, it's or is it something just like no? There's like magic shit in there and talking trees and stuff. Hmm. Can be both. It can be both. It can also be neither. Yeah, it can also be neither. What do you? What do you like? What is the like? What? How? Do, uh, sort of like what is it in the world? You know, what is the veil besides? You know, for one person it was a monument, but what is it really? You know, what what direction do you want to go? Is it explored? Is it, do the forest fighters already, like, comb through it or no? Is it something they're like, fuck that, no way? I, 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 I have a pitch for you. Okay. I've got a, I'm throwing out some very heady ideas here. I'm, I'm about it. I don't think it is protecting anything. And I, I'm going to pitch out the idea that I don't know if the, the storm is there for a reason. Okay. What I'm gonna, what I, what I, and 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 if you if you feel differently, give me a shout. But what I want to okay. pitch out is, what if the storm is there, just as a propulsion, as the the continued propulsion of the city. Like the rains oh. are the monument, but like the storm and the wind around it and the lightning around it is just the how the city is just like the thing that magically powers the city. It's like the side effect of the monument is like right. a lightning. It's what's needed to keep the city in the sky. Yeah. I love that. And but I also want to say there is incredibly powerful magic in the forest, in the veil. Yeah. 
Okay. But it is, but what it is is everything that we've been talking about. And it, it's very similar to Kresna Drex and the Pillars of Consciousness. Yes, yeah. But as a, as a forest, it's the idea that, like, going into this forest, if you were to be in this forest, your con- like, your consciousness would be changed. Oh. How so? How, how, how do you think it would be changed? Like, an elevated way? Because it's just a, it's just a snapshot yeah. of, a, of a city at one point. It's basically like a photograph of, like, 1908 Atlantic City. You know what I mean? Where you yeah. look out, it, but walking the boardwalk in 1908. I kind of picture what I'm picturing as like the con the trip, like leaning into the trippy. I mm-hmm. think like being in this environment where you're just like memories are just like swarming you. It changes you in a way that you can't full. It's it's kind of just I, I'm picturing it as kind of the equivalent of just being at be of like um oh I wish I could remember. There's a specific effect, and I don't I know there's a term for it, but. There is a science, like a, a an astronaut described the effect of essentially seeing Earth from space. Mm, okay, and it's that idea of just like it shifts your it shifts your perception of the world because you are suddenly exposed to all of these memories and the 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 full scope of them all at once, and it like it doesn't imbue you with magical powers; it just fucks with your head. Okay, negatively or positively depends on the person. Okay. You just have a real ass experience in this forest and you leave and you're like, wow, I don't, I made a friend and like we fell in love and then they were just missed in the storm. I think of it as like a weird version of Narnia where yeah. like you, you can have an amazing experience and you live like, I think any, okay. So have people gone into the veil? You want to say yes? I think so. I, I I like the idea that some people ha- that like some people have, whether by accident or like intrepid adventuring. So what I'm thinking is like that level of Narnia where they have the adventure, they leave and they're back where they started. But mm-hmm. this would be like they can't even take the memories they had in Narnia with them. Everything stays behind. Or do you leave different than you came in and you just can't literally bring anything back? I think you I think you leave different than you came in. Okay, so you keep your memories. You keep your memories. And that's what makes it so trippy is that suddenly, like, you have this memory of a life that faded away. Yeah. And I I imagine it would give me some kind of feeling of, like, was that real? And you have that, is anything real? That Matrix type feel. Yeah, right. And I'm about it. I love this, uh, you know, the world is bigger thing. And you go in and you experience people's lives and emotions. And I think it I think it is overwhelming. And that is where maybe the fear comes in of the veil. Oh, I love that. This experience is overwhelming as hell. Yeah. Where like spending the night there is like, can you spend a night in a haunted house? Where it's like, can can you withstand this onslaught of, you know, memories and feelings and emotion and experiences that you know aren't really there, but they are at the same time? Oh, yeah. They're, they're so, they're so, like, you can tell yourself that none of these memories are real, but -hmm. they are so real. And that's where, that's where it's horrifying and that's where it's amazing and that's where it's awesome and awful and, like, it just, you walk out and you're just like, I don't know. It's like you said, I don't know, I don't fully know what's real anymore. Yeah, I think of it as, like, sort of a twist on, like, a a carnival funhouse and not to get Mm -hmm. into clowns, but, like, sort of, like, you walk in and it's kind of unlike anything else and it's a little uncomfortable 
and there's people talking to you. It's it's sort of like how movies depict the afterlife is kind of how I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you go into a place and you have experiences. When you come back, you're just not the same. Yeah, you just are different. Things just don't, things just all, you just have seen the world from a different perspective. Okay, can I pitch something to you for a character and how to spin yeah. this into? An adventurer goes in to the veil. They pierce it. They've been gone. Most people, if if anyone, there's only been like a couple who've ever gone in and come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, per- But it's usually been under 24 hours. Sure, sure, sure. Someone, an adventurer, a master, you know, exp- could be an explorer, could be a hiker, could be a, you know, a ship captain. They've been there for a month and someone has to go get them. Oh, I love that. Who is relatively unprepared. Oh, and I love that. And I want to talk about like what they're, because I think the experience is different for everyone. So like- yeah. Maybe if you were to go in as an explorer, it's very much like that D&D adventure. You know what I mean? Where you go in and it's like a vine grabs you. And it's like, let me tell you the story of, you know what I mean? You have to like fight your way out. Is that kind of it? Yeah, I like the idea that like it's different for every person in ways that they can't even, in ways that are not even like necessarily reflected. Like four people could go in all with the same goal and have four vastly different experiences just because they happen to zoom in on a different part of the collage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I'm seeing this. So, like, this adventure has been there for a month. People don't know if... Let me roll. People don't know if he is alive or dead, but he's been in the veil for a month. And so, who goes to save him? A friend, a significant other, a a child, their child? Do you want to do Mm. a generational type thing where it's like, I want to go save my dad? Yeah, we can go with that. We can go with that. So, this person... So their father is a, what, you want to say a legendary explorer? Yeah, let's trapped go in the legendary veil. explorer. Okay, so this one I'm seeing as, uh, and the idea that pops into my head is, I, I like the idea of a sea captain, because if we think of, like, dragon being on, like, the coast of whatever, you know what I mean? Like, the city yeah, was on right. the coast. There's going to be, like, a port area. And I think that's where the sea captain, like, entered the veil. Yeah. Docked the ship, uh, and then, like, somehow managed to captain the ship and steer it through a lightning storm and wound up on the other side. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been a month, and this this child, I'll roll for pronouns for the child, his name is what? Hmm. A child of a legendary, we need a child and a, le- we need a legendary explorer and his son who is not and who is not a legendary explorer. What does he do? What is his, what is his deal? Uh, do you want to find out? <gasps> yeah, I do. I've got occupational tables. Hell yes. Going with our old, old friend, Central Casting. Oh, welcome to season three. Give me a D6. Okay. Five. Okay, so uh, you're going to do a an, an upper class occupation. Roll me a D20. Three. An architect. Okay. An architect, the designer of grand and glorious buildings. So, do we want to say that the was the son, the architect, on the ship and, like, abandoned or, like, the ship crashed and, I guess, the father washed up on, like, through the veil? Or were they not there at all? I don't think, I don't think he was there. I think that he, I think that, I don't even think they've spoken for a while. I think Ooh. that his dad just went missing and he said, well, I've got to, I got to go find him. Like, I, I got to find my dad. Okay. So it's an architect choosing pretty much an adventure 
Like, you know what I mean? Getting yeah. out of the office and being like, I have to go pierce the fucking terrifying veil into God knows what is there and step on in and find my dad in a basically like continent sized forest of magic. What's his name? First of all, what do you want to name him? And what uh, also what culture are they? Uh, I figure they're probably let's I'm gonna. Well, we can go any culture, but his name is Hank Morwind. M-O-O-R-W-I-N-D, and his Hank. father's name, because he's a legendary explorer, is Hawk Morwind. So Hank and Hawk. Hank and Hawk. Hank Morwind decides to go into the Vale because they have a good relationship with their father, or is this news that has spread? Uh, I think this is news that has spread. Like, Hawk Morwind is a legendary explorer of the yeah. high seas. Yes. And has set about to chart the to chart the high seas of fantasy. Yeah, and has and has vanished dur- has vanished at the, like a month after the the dawning of his greatest quest to puncture the veil. Hank Morwind hears about this, and Hank Morwind is a beast person. All right, sure. Because why not? And Hank is what kind of, what kind of beast person, Aaron? I don't know. All right. Do you want to roll, or do you have any ideas? What's a fun idea? What about turtle? Ooh, okay. So Hank, Hank and Hawk are turtles. So it's a turtle person who decides to not follow in his father's footsteps. I don't want that to be the point no, of the no, no. story. It's no, just I think like, it's, it's a necessity thing. Yeah, it's like, I gotta go save my dad. Do Does Hank, obviously Hank pierces the veil, right? Yeah. So he gets on, he gets his own ship, or does he go a different route than his father? Hmm. You know? I Maybe he goes a different route. Maybe, maybe... Based on like maybe he it's, it's it would be easier for him to go by foot or on horse or something. Okay. Or by dune buggy. All right. So he goes by dune buggy. Dune buggy. And he drives from Iron Hill to Dragon, which isn't yep. I would say like it's not the longest. And especially not com- by dune buggy. Especially not by dune buggy. But Hank Hank Morwind comes to the Vale, and because I'm trying to think of like if he's not a master adventurer, how does he get in? You know what I mean? And like. You know, the quest to find your father is great, but, like, they haven't talked in a long time, you said. You know, if your dad was the legendary adventurer, you know that he might not come back. Yeah, so for sure. So what is the reason for him going this time to be like, no, he's still alive? Was there a signal? Was he given something where it's like, if I go into the Vale and don't come back in a month, come get me? Is hmm. it something, like, you know what I mean? What's his reason for going in there? Hmm. Especially as an architect. It's yeah. just like, you know, I got like, obviously he hasn't like he feels that he should go get his dad and save him. But like you said, they haven't talked in a while. So like, right. do they have a rocky relationship? I think so. I think a little bit, because what I think happens is that Hank Hawk, Hawk wants Hank to be an explorer in the worst way. Mm-hmm. And Hank's passion is just designing and building diners and small scope chain dining establishments diners drive-ins and dives yes he's he loves he loves making short order greasy spoon restaurants i am okay i love that (laughs) this is the son of someone who has like you know discovered the first person to really maybe it's is it the first person to pierce the veil yeah let's say that let's go with that so hawk sets out hawk has said for years like you know, been conquering this, not conquering, but uh, I've discovered a new cave of ice. I've discovered this. I'm an explorer, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Takes notes, has a guide, is like published, does lecture tours. And all Hank has ever wanted to do is open restaurants. So once again, 
Why does Hank go to the Vale? Hmm. Does Hawk have something that he needs? Because it doesn't have to be this, like, you know, father-son redemption story where it's like, I want to, you know, piece together my relationship with my father. Does he have a dream where he sees his father in need and decides, like, I need to be a little, I need to be the hero my dad kind of wants me to be in order to save his fucking life, which is kind of nice. Like, he's not going to go take up the family business, but it's like... You know, he has a dream and his does his dad reach out? His dad has a new elevated form of consciousness in this veil, you said, or something, I lo- something I love changes. That and I love that because it also adds the possible detail that that there's some sort of connection between dream states and the veil, which makes it even trippier. OK, great. So while Hank is asleep one night in his bed in Iron Hill and he's having a regular dream. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a dream about I dream every night and it's the worst. Cutting a ribbon on a on a cutting a ribbon on a small time pancake shop. Cutting the ribbon on a small time pancake shop. And something you said earlier I kinda wanna bring back, where you said it's like taking a piece of a dream, like in the middle of it. Yeah. And I think it's like suddenly like static interrupted of what like he sees his father in the veil, like staring down like a rock titan. You know what I mean? Or like consumed by something cutting the ribbon at this small pancake shop Mm -hmm. he cuts the ribbon and the ribbon screams with his father's voice someone someone please someone please i i don't know where to go okay and that like wakes him up and he's like okay that was horrifying and at first he writes it off he writes it off the next night it happens again same exact dream maybe maybe slightly different in that like when he goes to, like, pour out the pancake batter, it spells out, like, son. And then he looks and all of the tables have his father in them. I I love this a lot. So Hank has to get out of Iron Hill and travel to the Vale. And he gets in his dune buggy. Yep. Drives to this crater where it's, like, imagine staring up and it's, like, an endless, like, you could see rain in a wall. Like yeah. a sheet of lightning and rain. And what, he just walks through? Hmm. You know, is it treacherous? Does he just drive the dune buggy through it and, like, you know, the dune buggy is destroyed and now he's stranded? And he was really hoping to drive back in that. So It's definitely in, that. In action, season three aesthetic, he takes the dune buggy and just straight up plows it through the thunderstorm curtain. Oh, yeah, and, the and dune it destroys destroyed. the dune buggy, but, like, he comes crashing out the other side. And what does he see? What's the first thing he sees in the veil? Just this epic expanse of forest, this like dense jungle. Is it like that? I think for a split second, he sees miles and miles of empty like dirt and like dead trees. Yeah. And then it just like fills in like a watercolor painting. Okay. Now you're cooking with some gas. So he sees literally like almost like in strokes, like uh, an Okami. Remember the game? Yeah. Like that kind of thing, literally building a landscape piece by piece, snapping Mm -hmm. together with each stroke. And he has to find his dad. Where does he start? Is this the kind of thing like Neverending Story where he like bumps into a tree and the tree is like, oh, I've seen a turtle before or no? I, I kind of I think it's that. But like it's half that and half like annihilation where just weird things are are everywhere. And like. It's just there's stuff that makes no sense. And I think a lot of it is a lot of it is he has to piece together, like reason it out and be like, well, okay, 
this rock is yelling at me that its water is cold or that its water that its water is warm and like has to suss out I think the way that Hank has to navigate this is because Hank knows people. Okay. He's a professional and he has to like reason out like from human interactions like okay I'm thinking like if I if I had encountered this rock, this rude customer rock, I would want to go in the opposite direction as quick as possible. So I probably ran down this hill and then he looks down the hill and sees like Hawk's backpack. Mm. I have an idea for how to figure out what his kind of quest is. Like, what is the challenge here? Like, because the obstacle is obviously like the veil itself sucks. But like kind of on a deeper level, if I think we should roll his background now and that'll help us tell the story of like what happens in the veil based on who they were before they entered. Because it has so much to do with who you are and things like that. I think if we know a little bit this person's background, like by rolling their D&D background, It'll help us with building like the story of does he get his father out? Does he stay in the veil? You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. Let me pull something up real quick. Okay. Because I want to take that idea and put it on put it on its head. Yes. All right. Here's how I'm going to twist that idea on its head. Because I had a thought. I had a thought way back when I mentioned I was going to come back to something. And I want to like knowing that there's someone in the veil for a month. I want to like tweak the idea slightly. Okay. The idea that I had was that if you die in the veil, mm-hmm. your memories are added to the snapshot. Oh, no. Is he dead? But what I want to add to that is that just being in the veil adds memories to the snapshot. Oh, like shit. Like, who you are, who you were, those, the second you're in the veil, those memories start, like, suddenly that rainstorm starts taking bits of your memories and, like, infusing them. So the way that Hank is going to navigate this... Is by being able to piece together, that's my dad. That rock, that rock is my dad. It just said, it just said, the world does not need more pancake houses. That's my dad. (sighs) And he, it's literally like following the breadcrumbs, but also like, okay, so with that, that is very, oh, that's sick. And it gives me a really good idea. Hank and Hawk, his entire life, have butted heads. They've been at odds with each other about what the world is, what the world needs. You know, he, the dad hasn't, un- hasn't even been in the house that much. He's been out exploring. It hasn't been, I think Hank has kind of raised himself in mm-hmm. Iron Hill. He's taught himself by experience and by mentors how to be an architect and how to like, you know, find your passions and how to appreciate. I think that's where the diners, dives and drives kind of gag comes from, yeah. where it's like, he appreciates these greasy spoons and like these small town places because those are the people he grew up hanging with or like, yeah, for sure. You know, if, yep. if you ever need to sit somewhere when you got nothing to do, you can always go to like a diner. You can always go and talk to the servers, talk to the management. Like you said, he knows people, you know, he's if you sat at a counter at a diner in like South Jersey for long enough alone, someone's going to talk to you. Yeah. And I think that has been like kind of who he is and who raised him is like a collective like we always like to do these collectives and i think that's it It was like a community of restaurant goers sort of like cheers but in a diner yeah where like those are the people who kind of that's what he knows he doesn't really know this man except through the tales 
because I'm sure that there are stories told of Hawk and these amazing, you know, quests that he's been on. And, oh, he found a new magical artifact and they brought it back to the Museum of Iron Hill and blah, blah, blah. How can, you know, and Hank kind of reads the newspaper at the diner and had learned about his father secondhand, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like through the stories of, oh, you're you're Hank Morwind. Oh, my God, your father, blah, 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 blah. I've heard this and that. And so I think this trip through the veil is him kind of getting to know his father by following him kind mm-hmm. of in his footsteps to see where he ended up. Yeah. But on his own terms and discovering who his father was and maybe he learns why they didn't have a re- Okay. So there's an image that I have for kind of the veil and yeah. um and it's it's not it's just kind of like a thing that popped into my head. I don't know if you've ever played Super Mario RPG for Super Nintendo. Yes. So do you remember when they go to Star Road and you you go up into the stars and you click a star and they'll be like, I wish that I yes. were, you know what I mean? I'm yep. sort of seeing it like that kind of thing melting into one where it's people's dreams, it's people's casual yeah. wants and desires and just their regular yep. life. And so he has to find the fragments that are his father in order to find him. And in that way, he has to take what he knows of him and piece it together with the reality and kind of find him. Can I throw uh can I throw the 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 very sweet other half of that at you? Yo, god yes. He's not the only one doing that. Because oh? Hank has been in the veil for a while. Like mm-hmm. it takes him a while to navigate this, which means that Hank's memories have also started to bleed into the veil. Oh. Which means that if Hawk was truly lost, it's just as likely that he could see something and be like that's Hank, why are you? Wait, Hank? And the two of them can find each other and find their way out by mutually coming to understand one another. I think that's amazing. So, like, these. So, I imagine, like, Hank walking and, you know, he comes upon a patch of ivy on, like, a cliff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you know, Hank, like, the real meaning behind this world is seeing it top to bottom. A new person every day, a new sight every day. It's the only way to experience fantasy and really get to what the core of it. Because I think the two of them have a similar worldview and they do not Mm -hmm. know it. And I think that's the real beauty behind this story is a father who kind of thinks that, you know, I think part of Hawk and one of the sad things about him is he wanted him to be an explorer so that he could see the world with his son. And because Mm -hmm. I think his, his whole worldview is about how there's so like we always talk about there's so much to fantasy that's unexplored and there's so much to see and you can gain so much understanding by seeing it all and hank is like you can gain so much understanding by sitting down at in one place and the passers-by can teach you their story you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah do they find each other in the veil i think so i think absolutely i think they find each other and i think they i think they collectively get out together Using their collective amount of skills and, yeah. you know, memories and things. Okay, so real I know it, I know we're like 50 minutes in, but what is the genuine obstacle in their way from finding each other? Besides the tra- crazy dreamscape, what is keeping yeah. them apart? Is it, do, are they stubborn? Are they set in their ways? Are they resistant to learning each other's? Because I want to get to the core of like, the, what bugged me about season one and two, if I may is a lot of characters have these great stories, but we don't get to know them. We mm-hmm. know their tale, but like, I always want to know like what's in the way of Hank and Hawk finding each other, 
reaching an understanding and getting out. What I think is in the way, and I think you hit on this, is that like their memories is that they butted the few memories they have together is them butting heads. Mm-hmm. But also they've just lived diff- like they were not in each other's lives for extended periods. And so like Hank has to realize Hank has to deal with the fact that like I don't know who I don't really know him. Yeah. Like, he had his own thing. And Hawk has to kind of do the same thing. Like I didn't right? like I wasn't there. I don't really know who he turned into. I've seen the stories mm-hmm. and we've hung out and gotten coffee a few times. But like we aren't really in each other's lives. Yeah, you use the word fragments, and I think that, I think you did. And that's what I'm kind of seeing is the, you get the tiniest snapshot. Like, you know, Hawk is walking through the veil. It's been like a month. And all of a sudden, like, you know, he's seeing random people talking to him and the same old stuff, you know, the same crazy dreamscape. But at one point, you know, the leaf falls into his hand and he looks at it and it's like, I wish my dad Hawk were here at my prom to take a picture of me. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, like you get the smallest bit and they have no idea who they are and vice versa. Hank is walking through the forest and what's a good forest thing? He comes and he smells the, you know, a beautiful flower. A flower comes mm-hmm. and he, he drinks the water from a giant leaf and he smells the flower and the flower looks back at him and it's his father like looking out at the bow of a ship, looking at like Glacier or something out at the Aurora Borealis and he's like, you know, I wish, you know, I, I, I wish my son were here or some kind of heart touching thing. No, or just something amazing that his father did that. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't know my father did that. I didn't know my father brought supplies to a small town that was in need in, in Glacia. Yep. I didn't know he, I thought he was an, I thought he was a self because it's the whole thing of the father is selfish and the son is like, I don't know. What does he think the son is? Does he lack ambition or something? I think he thinks the son is also selfish because yeah. like he said, I want to, I want to do this. I don't really care what anyone else wants. I want to do this. Yeah. So I'm going to go do it. And they eventually find these fragments and they're, are they just, it, okay. My question for you is, and kind of like not a wrap it up thing, but I think they, you walk in a, on a path, you know, they're both on a path and what's his Hank is walking in a path, you know, following it. And things come across him. He bumps into things. And his father, Hawk, has been walking on one. And then the path kind of changes when the sun enters. And they, it mm-hmm. eventually leads into the same, like, grassy meadow where they find each other. But they mm-hmm. can only do that by piecing together these fragments. And kind of, like, it's not so much as following a map and, like, uncovering clues as, like, the forest kind of brought them together. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Is that it? Where, like, if you imagine this collage of random people's memories... Hawk, the dad, has a collage of his son's memories, and Hank has a collage of his father's memories, and they both come and press them together to make a beautiful picture of each other's lives and how similar they are, and they meet in a glen at the Vale. Yeah, it's exactly that. I think that's beautiful. That these and then these two turtles, what, just make their way out? Do they stay in the Vale? Or do they like get out and you know, what happens after? All right, I'm gonna throw out two very different things. Okay. Because I, I, I have something. I have a real big capstone for this, this whole thing. Yeah, I would love it. But I also want to throw out the... So I think the simplest answer is they get out, right? Like yeah. together, it's only together and it's only through mutual understanding and through common common ground that they're able to escape. Yes. The much headier thing I want to throw at you. And you can cut this. You cannot leave it in. Like this is... I'm this probably going to leave it in. <laughs> 
But also feel free to be like, I think, I don't think we're going that route. Okay. Is on their way back, they find another traveler. A tree has fallen on them. Their leg is trapped. No idea how long they've been there. They pick this person up. They get to know this person. You know, they, they, they share the story of like, yeah, I, I never really knew my dad. And turns out he was this great explorer. And turns out he's done all of these amazing things. And I never really knew my son. It turns out he has a real passion for cooking. And this traveler, this young person, is hearing this wonderful, beautiful story of these two people who have who had, had such different lives coming together. And the three of them navigate out of this veil. And by the time they stop and smile and say, so I guess you're going to take your dune buggy back to iron. Where did everybody go? What? Wait, so the father and son are gone? As soon as I left the veil, I'm the only one here. Oh. My God. That's the veil, Aaron. I love that. It feeds you lives. Whole lives. Whole stories. And then you get out, and they just disappear into the mist. Oh my god. I don't know if we want to go that route. No, I like that's... that I like that route that there's a third yeah. party who goes in for whatever means. They meet this these two this father's son. It's this beautiful story. They have this amazing experience traveling the veil, exploring the veil. Maybe the two of them are like, you know what? Let's map this thing out, you know, Hank and Hawk. And they like make this map of the veil and they're they're trying to understand it. They're studying plants. And with their third companion, when they go to leave, the two are just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that someone in Dragon, someone's dad in Dragon was a delivery person and was not there a lot. Or was like a like a mail was like a mail carrier. Oh my god. And so god. like missed their dad. And somebody else was frustrated that somebody was building buildings instead of like was frustrated somebody took like an easy route to get business and it's like thousands of memories just formed into these people and our young traveler whose name is stanwick mulroney one more time please stanwick mulroney okay stanwick is just like they were here a minute ago like we had we had we had journeys together we like they they all they we risked our lives for each other and now they're just not here I have to do something, and Stanwick climbs in their dune buggy, drives back to Moon Crescent, goes to an, a tiny cottage on the far end of town, knocks on the door. Hey, Dad. How you doing? It's been a while. So it turns out Stanwick's memories were as much in there as anybody's. Because that's the veil. And I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Because, oh my god, that turned out... That was amazing. That was a very good twist, Jeff. I love that. Thank that you. It, it is just that odd. It is that confusing. It's it's that's what's terrifying about the veil is that you is that like you can have that experience and then suddenly realize that like no, that's not real. All of those memories were just pe- bits and pieces. Yes. Oh wow. I'm into this. Um. Okay. Wow. Uh, so that's a wrap. Thank you, Leviathan Files, for your Thank prompt. Thank you. Welcome to season three. I told you we were just going to talk about a place. <laughs> I know, and I'm so about it. But the story of Hank and Hawk is really nice. It is. But that's kind of all it is. Is yeah. just like, a, it's it's kind of like everyone listening to this story where it's like, you might think about your own life. and You might not. Mm-hmm. But that's the veil. Or it's like, you don't know if you're actually talking to someone 
or just fragments of feelings that someone has had at one point. Mm -hmm. Damn. Thank you, Taylor, for your prompt. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own, there are so many ways you can do it. And God, look what can come from them. Uh, You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can post them to our discord at bit.ly slash AMFC discord. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Or you can go to allmyfantasychildren.com and use the content submission form. Yeah, it's super easy. It's super fun. And then you can like, you can send whatever. There's no like right or wrong. There's no, you know, bad or good. It's just as short as long as you want. We have vehicles that'll help you get there. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a nice iTunes review, a social media shout out, or just tell a friend. Anything to help the show grow and find new listeners, we really appreciate it. It helps us grow and do cool things. Yes, and something cool that we have is our Patreon. It's a great way to support the show with some of your hard-earned dough. Um, and it you know gets you stuff too, like bonus features, all my fantasy secrets, early access to episodes. And it's just a great way to like help us out. It helps pay for equipment costs, hosting fees, con appearances. You know, even $1 goes a long fucking way. I promise you. And I'm not begging you for money. I'm just telling you how it is. And on that note, we have a new Patreon backer that I have to scream about. Alice Tobin, thank you so much for becoming a backer of All My Fantasy Children. Thank you so much, Alice. Oh, Alice is great. Yeah, What? okay. I hope that you, Alice, I hope that today, whatever your favorite weather is, it's going to be that for like a solid week. If it's thunderstorms, mm. if it's rain and it relaxes you so you can read or listen to podcasts or if it's beautiful and you can go outside and tend to a garden or walk a dog or just take a stroll and reflect on a sunset i hope it's that for like the rest of the year Mm, i like that i like that a lot thank you so much yeah just ah, it makes me feel so good um if you are a fan of tabletop games and i'm sure that you are jeff has a podcast that you should really be listening to if you aren't already party of one is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences every episode i sit down with a friend we play through a two-player game we share some laughs maybe a few tears and we have a really good time you can find new episodes every tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com hell yeah we have a verbal hug this week a verbal hug this week um Take some time to take some time to do some stuff you enjoy. Don't feel like the things that you quote unquote have to do can should should keep you from doing from trying something new. I love that. We've been gone for two months and we've yeah. been gone for two months because Eric got a great opportunity. Yes. And like a really cool new thing and said, I'm going to go do that. And like, I am beyond happy that we had that like we didn't do that. We've been off for two months because that's why we were off for two months. You're right. I mean, yeah, I ne- I needed that personally because I've been stressing about not no, making like, this show for two months, but it's been amazing. Like I've been in this amazing right. part of Colorado doing like West Side Story and Legally Blonde. It's so fucking cool. It's like what I've always, you know, what I love doing, but I also like making this show, but it's so sure. good that, you know, it, it's, it's just great to be able to do the thing. Like we always say. Yeah. Do the thing. And like the th- the other stuff will be waiting for you after you've done it. Like we mm-hmm. were able to record again and we didn't miss a beat. We came up with a dope episode. I like, know. So go do the thing is yeah. my hug. And and the stuff the other stuff will be there when you get back. Yeah. If you have something that you're really dying to do, just don't let it fall to the wayside. If the opportunity comes out to do it, even if it's just like 
you know, someone has picked, if you've always wanted to make a podcast and a friend is like, I, cause the only reason I got my job is cause somebody was like, I know a Puerto Rican guy who can do this musical really well. And I replaced some scrub who got fired. Um, so if like you have a friend who's like, Hey, I want you to do something with me and you've always wanted to do it. Just jump, do it. Don't be scared. The, the, everything else will be there when you get back. I promise. When you get back from Narnia and you go on your magical adventure, because that's kind of what's happened, when you get back from the wardrobe, everything will still be there when you left it, and you can pick right yeah. back up. And your perspective may change for a way that will carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Don't be afraid to pierce the veil, because when you come back on the other side, you, you're you going to be different and maybe better when you came when when you before you left. Yeah. Sick. That was a good one. That was a good one. That's a good viral hug. I just want to say thank you, everybody who still listens to our show, because it's been two months and, you know, we had our birthday episode and we talked about like just how much we love this show. And I'm just so glad that people are along for this ride of like us talking about a psychedelic dream space forest maze. You know, it's just been it's so cool that you help us, that you support us in doing this show that we really, really, really love doing and feel really passionately about. So thank you, listener. You're fucking awesome for getting this far in the episode. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah. uh, until next time, good, good night, night and good game. game.